Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. So, it's, uh, it's, it's getting close to the end. I mean, of this, you know. For some of you, uh, a whole week or more than a week, I can't remember, and some, for some of you, two weeks of uh, practice. It's quite amazing. Sometimes I think uh, that there should be a big celebration at the end, you know, like welcome you with dances and flowers and a big, huge meal, you know, and like in some other uh, wisdom tradition they do, you know, they welcome back the seeker, you know, and celebrate this amazing thing. And uh, it uh, it might not happen exactly like <laughs> like that, huh? neither uh, tomorrow at ten o'clock nor when you go back home. You know, you'll, there might not be the big celebration. Huh? But it's good to uh, you know to take a moment to acknowledge that something some something has happened, some energy, not some, a lot of energy was uh, dedicated, was, uh, was great uh, courage that was shown and uh, honesty and so many amazing qualities. Uh, and so it's good to, to yeah, celebrate this in some way between ourselves to say, wow, this, that's an amazing thing that we've done, you know. Um, when I, uh, I w my spirit was not in celebration in when I remember the first years of sitting retreats uh, in the last day, would be that would be like tomorrow, at the closing of the retreat. I would cry so much. I would like usually I would kind of go in the woods or wh wherever there was a parking lot, any anywhere to hide, you know and and just cry in my very strong uh, uh, emotion or thought or what, what was in me was like, don't, do not let me loose in the world, you know, like I'm not ready to be released. You know, I, I say things and I do things and I, you know, like I cause trouble around me, you know, and I'm not ready to be, uh, like I need that environment that is so many, so much... Uh, clean up to do inside, you know, don't, do not release me, you know. <laughs> and um, also I, I had the, the view that I had was that the, the Dharma, this thing that was so precious, this practice was uh, in these places, was here, you know, at uh, Spirit Rock or the Insight Meditation Society or at the different monasteries where I was practicing in Asia. The feeling was it was over there, you know, and then I was going back to my country, isolated in this vast, big Canada, you know, away from the Dharma. You know, I had this feeling for, for the first few years, and slowly, or, I don't know, at some point I understood that it was actually, ah, 
inside of me. It was there. All the tools, all the, all the devices, the devices that would create trouble for myself and, and others were in here, but it was actually the exact same devices, the same tools, the mind, the body, the, that were, that was there to free this heart and mind, you know? And uh, this understanding was, was uh, freeing and very engaging also. It felt like I could actually do something outside of the retreat time, you know? That I could continue my progress. It was not clear for me before. Because um, here, uh, to me, in these, in these places, uh, they're, they're amazing. Um, it's an amazing form that is given, that we give, like a laboratory, like a really particular. Everything is kind of designed around, uh, well, around two things. If I can present it like this, is a few years ago, I heard uh, one of my teachers say something like. You know, one of the Buddhist lists. <coughs> and he said, there's a... Whoops, trouble came when I drank. It's the, the mindfulness was displaced. <coughs> Momentico. I'm back. So this teacher said, there's two uh, causes for the uh, arising of uh, understanding or wisdom. And this is something, a, t a teaching I carry with me, inside of me, but also when I teach, I bring this back often because I just love, I, I love that it's only two things in the list. <laughs> you know? Here's one that I can really carry with me without a notebook, <laughs> you know. And also, um, uh, so so when the teacher said that, I I got really curious. I was like, oh, what are the two causes causes for the development of wisdom? And he said it's the wise voice of another and wise attention. And when I heard this, the way it touched me and still touches me so much is that I immediately I recognized retreat time. Retreat, it seemed like his design, like the whole setup is around giving space for sati to develop this mindfulness, you know, this quality of uh, uh, presence that can see through stuff, you know. So, so the, the design of the retreat is made for this and also for the wise voice to come in. Like here this week, we tried r really in the most clean way that we can to use our voice, the voice being something so powerful. The voice, you know, with our voice we can destroy, divide, confuse, hide uh, reality or truth. You know, the, vo the voice is such a powerful tool. And in this practice we try to use it in the service of awakening, of opening the heart, opening the mind, in the service of clarity, in the service of, uh, uh, you know, reducing uh, suffering, 
Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so when the teacher said that, I was like, wow, that's why I value retreat so much, because in retreat, these two things are at the forefront, you know. It's not about having fun. It's not about, it's about uh, developing, it's a field for attention to be developed, you know. It's a field for wise words to land and be heard, you know. And so the two causes for uh, um, for the development of wisdom, and certainly, I think the two of them, but the sati is something we can uh, bring home with us. You know, in these, uh, when we talk about uh, bringing attention to the body, postures, sensations, uh, breath, you know, all, this is with us all the time. This is an amazing kind of technology, you know, that you carry with you all the time. I remember the first time I went on a retreat being troubled, you know, being uh, s- stressed. I was going uh, through the first time I, I went on retreat. I was, it was a, within a couple of difficult years where there was a lot of confusion. L- uh, pr- yeah, I would say really high c- level of confusion. And uh, so I land in this place and they say, oh, you want some ease of mind? And so, so there's a... There's a, we're going to show you what to put attention to, what to give attention to. I said, the first thing you're going to give attention to, to develop wisdom and uh, calm your mind, and is going to the first thing you're going to put attention to is to your nose. And then I was like, oh, interesting. I would not have thought that this <laughs> path to wisdom was through attention to the nose, but hey. I'm so confused, I'm willing to put my attention on my nose. (laughs) And so I sat there and I did put my attention on my nose, you know. When I thought, you know, like my attention should go to me and what's going to happen to me and what people have done to me and what I've done to them and, you know, how, you know. And it was like, no, 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 you you can leave aside. Oh, this is not so... Put your attention on your nose. (laughs) You know, and so... Wise attention is really well defined in this practice, you know. Be it when you're standing, know you're standing. When you're sitting, know you're sitting. You know, these are the instructions. And so, to me it's amazing that uh, the way I understand this these days, that's my current understanding of this, is that we're always attentive. And in this practice, we're always attentive to something. There's always attention giving to something. In this practice, there's two things that happen, is we become aware of where attention goes, and also we learn to direct attention to certain phenomena or particular events, yeah? And so that's the waking up. We wake up to where does the attention goes, you know? And also we learn that, oh, instead of putting my attention on this, maybe I could put it on my nose, (laughs) for example, you know? And to me, this is, this is amazing, learning this, that, that's like every day, all the time. I mean, not all the time, every time I do remember, which is mo- more and more every day. But I, re- I, rem- I remember, oh, I habitually put my attention on this. I habitually, my attention habitually goes to worry, to planning, to meing, in all its uh, different uh, 
iteration, some words like this. But now I'm actually going, let's say I'm coming out of the house. I'm going teaching. It's not about how is it going to, it's about closing the door. It's about stepping these four steps, you know. It's about turning this corner. It's about being on the street, you know. And in this way, you know, I can arrive fresh and available to where I am, you know. So now I'm talking just about mindfulness of the body and its posture, its sensations, the breath, the senses, being aware of seeing, hearing, tasting, you know. So this invitation for me, every time I remember, oh yeah, I'm invited to actually know the body here now instead of projection and proliferations of all kinds, you know. And then it opens up to discovery of the mind state that is there, the, the feeling tone. Oh, this is unpleasant. That's why I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about it. Oh, it's just unpleasant right now. Can I tune in the unpleasantness? Oh, unpleasant. Let me feel this well. Yeah. So, wise attention. There's really a very clear instructions around this. In the Satipatthana Sutta, it says where one should put their attention and how, how this attention that is not judgmental, you know, that is curious, that wants to feel, know, you know, meet. And so, yeah, so this we can bring from the retreat with us. Now we have, a f again, this frame of reference. You know, it's not so much about what I would have liked and how it could have been, but, you know, the foundations of mindfulness that we've been talking about. Are there hindrances here? How is the mind? Is the mind actually both calm and uh, engaged with what is happening? Can it be while I'm playing with my child or while I'm waiting for the bus or while I'm in this conversation with my bus employee, whatever is there, you know? And so... Um, so this is what we can bring with us. It's, it's, it's a jewel. It's a treasure. It's, it's very powerful. And we, we have, uh, we've been given this. We've been developing this. We've been entering into this. We've been owning this, you know, all these words, we started to feel it for ourselves. Oh, that's how it can be in this being. That's how I can own this, yeah? Use this. That's how it can be my best friend, you know, my ally, yeah? So that's what we've been doing here this week. In the texts, often this sati, does not come along alone, it comes with another quality, sampajanya, clear knowing, clear comprehension, or maybe discernment. So they come always together. One image that I seem to be recalling is, uh, is the image of, uh, imagine a little uh, goat, little goat, and the goat is tied to a little rope, to a little stick. Yeah, and so uh, that's the image for mindfulness. So the goat is not like, you know, totally lost. It's like this is your little field. Let's say it's a long rope, 
and with beautiful grass, like make it comfy, you know. For the safety of the goat, you know. So that's kind of mindfulness. And the, the Sampajana, the image, image is uh, of a shepherd uh, just close by on top of a hill. Hill? Hill. Hill. And she is looking around, you know. And that's uh, discernment. That's kind of a larger view, you know. Uh, so that's an, an image that maybe, maybe is the right image that I recall. And maybe it can be useful as a just uh, to think about this, but there's um, there's ways in the commentaries that they talk about this sampajanya, this clear comprehension, many different ways. Uh, classically, there's four, but um, maybe one is something around intention. So there's a. It's not just you know like mindfulness, like uh, somebody would be uh, stealing in order to acquire more. And they would already have a lot in their life, but they would still to acquire more, more. They would have to be very mindful when they do the stealing, no? There would be mindfulness there. They would be, t- be attentive, let's say they're in a house, you know, at night. They have to, you know, be really attentive, you know, but there's not, uh, it's not samasati, it's not uh, liberating. It's not this. It's not what's going to open the mind and the heart, yeah. And so maybe clear comprehension can help around this, yeah. And so one of the ways is around intentions. So remembering why we're doing this practice to be inspired and keep going. Why we do this? For me, sitting every day is partly just that remembering a value that I have. Because I can get caught in doing things on the list and being efficient. And I can even get caught in my value being only in my capacity to do the things on the list, you know. And so when I sit, suddenly I remember that there's something else than achieving or, you know, doing stuff or, you know, that there's something else that being and the exploration of being. First, just being. Suddenly, for me, sitting is remembering that being, this being that is happening now has a lot of value, is a field, an amazing field, is a, has a lot of value in and of itself. There's life happening here. I can remember this and then start exploring it, how it behaves, how it moves, how dynamic it is, you know, how there is places of, uh, I wouldn't say control, but participation, and areas where it just has its own rules, you know. And so sitting every day for me is remember, taking a moment to remember this. It's kind of uh, remembering all the m- my beautiful values that I touched on retreat. As I sit, I get in touch with this. So it sets my intention. And then, often, my day will go, uh, I'll, I won't, I'll be efficient too, but I'll remember that I care about how I am. Not that it's done, but how I'm doing it. And then it could go for a, a second way of talking about sempajanya that I like a lot, 
is uh, in practice you see this develop, you, you might have seen this in yourself, is that um, I would call it uh, recognizing the opportunities for practice. So that as I sit and I remember what I care about, then I go in my day and then I discover more and more over the years uh, areas of practice that I thought were not areas of practice. So I get in a conflict with somebody and I'm like, wow, ah, amazing chance for practice here. Wow, amazing chance. I remember li- one little story that just crossed my mind. One time in my kind of co-op-ish place where I live, we kind of co-own, I don't know what would be the word. Anyway, and we had to make decisions about the inner staircase that people use, you know. And I remember everybody had their opinion about the staircase and the budget and the colors and the this and the that, you know. And it was getting uh, kind of tense about like, and I could, you could see like everybody was in the mode of getting my version because I'm right and because I w- it's going to be pleasant like this or da da da. And I remember I was having a conversation with my neighbor and we were a little bit like, and then I said, hey, I just saw the opportunity for practice just appeared in my mind. And uh, she's not a practitioner, but she's a sensitive being. So I said, hey, wow, we have an opportunity here to do this project and get to know each other and create team and see if we can be good human beings doing this, you know? I don't know, like she got it. And she was like, yeah, let's do this. Suddenly it was not about just the staircase, it was about how we were going to do this. You know, and suddenly there was respect was there. Uh, It was not so much about me or the other one being right. It was more like suddenly there was a clear intention for collaboration and our attention was not on unwise attention on getting what I want and what I believe is the right for best way for everyone. It was about uh, listening to how am I engaged with this? How am I respecting the other? How, you know? And suddenly it was actually a very beautiful thing to actually take care of this, bring this to term in a way that was not, not it was the how was extremely important. So, um, so here's an opportunity for practice. Now I see it a lot, of course, when I'm alone, every solitary thing that I do, starting a laundry, you know, is like, oh, an opportunity to feel stuff, you know, to, and often the question I ask myself, I ask it less these days, it's kind of uh, integrated, some, is uh, I'll think, how can this next activity, I don't know if it's going to work for you, in, I think about it in English, but I use the words in my own way, but how can this next activity foster ease and presence, let's say, or foster uh, peace, or I put two qualities there. So before doing an activity, I say, and even if I'm rushed, I'm like, okay, Pascal, you have just that amount of minute to hang the thing on the clothesline and get on the bike and go. How can this be done to develop, uh, you know, uh, Clarity and presence, let's say. And I was like, okay, let's go. And instead of, because unaware, it could be just an opportunity to train uh, being ectic, 
you know, or whatever else, you know. So being really conscious, oh, here's an opportunity, I have to go fast, can I do this fast and fully, fully conscious, you know. And so all activities done alone for me are more and more, like it's, it lands, it drops on me, I start walking and it comes back, you know, it's it, because of the walking on retreat, because of the, the, uh, the intention of the, so things like this, relationships suddenly, they take a turn. It's like, oh, how can I bring all this practice in the relationship, you know? Uh, and the way I see it these days is that this, in retreat here, I'm invited to look at this system, to feel this system, to get acquainted with this system, yeah? Psycho, physical, emotional, I think of it as a system, you know? Things are in relation and they influence each other and stuff. And so I'm invited to bring calm and curiosity to actually make discoveries about this system and, and transform this system, bent it in a way that is of use for, the, for me and the world, you know? And so, so bring equanimity, not judge, non, non, a non-judgmental mind, uh, compassion to this system when this system is kind of off balance or triggered or you know uh, uh, bring joy to this system when there's uh, it's I don't know centered balance uh, easeful uh, spacious to actually be able to appreciate rejoice uh, uh, celebrate this so in, in the same way I feel these days that there's no and this system is not me I'm told repeatedly it's not me, but I'm invited to take really good care of it and be responsible for it. Not guilty, not fused, and, but really take really good care of all the different aspects that, uh, that I take care of all the aspects in this system. So suddenly the system opens up and it's me and the other. Here's a little system of the two of us today, you know. Me and my mom, me and my, you know. How am I... Can I bring the same qualities of attention to that new little system that just opened up? You know, equanimity, interest, uh, non-self, but great care, you know? And then it opens up, it's a group. Oh, here's us. Is there parts of us that I don't include in the same way that is there parts here that I refuse, you know? Am I including all the aspect of this group, this little group in the meeting room, you know, who, like opening up, including the whole system with compassion, with uh, equanimity, balance, and, you know, and suddenly it's like, oh, my community, my city, whatever subgroup you find yourself, we find ourselves into, a group of friends, the family, the neighborhood, the city, uh, the nation, the, the, this great uh, blue-white system that is as fragile as this little one, you know? Can I bring the same amount of care and attention and the same non-self but great engagement with, you know? So, for me, these are opportunities of practice, you know? This, I love this thing about non-self because it means I'm not stuck in this little psycho thing. I can open up non-self, suddenly everything is equally worthy of attention. Every system, none of them are self, all of them are alive and dynamic. They're all worthy of uh, 
my compassionate uh, attention. Here in this country that I love and visit very often, I see, uh, and it, my country is not apart from that, but just because we're here, I see that uh, there is, uh, in the system, there is parts that uh, uh, don't work so well. There's great oppression. There's terror in this system that is happening, you know. From what I can see, you know, uh, black people are being uh, terrorized in this country. I mean, that's probably not the only thing happening, you know, but it's really happening in a systematic way. I would like the system to wake up to this. Why we come here to do what we do is to actually turn towards all the system as I understand the practice and say like, wow, you know, there's uh, oppression, there's uh, violence. That doesn't work. You know, bring equanimity, bring, bring clear seeing, bring honesty, bring humility, bring engagement, bring non-self, you know, and recognize what is happening. There's a, I'm going to take a second just to talk about the particular thing that uh, I was happy that a name was given to it. It's uh, white fragility. White fragility to me is, I'll, I'll say a few words on it, but very much from the Buddhist perspective. So here we learn to pay attention in a balanced way to what is happening with honesty and in uh, what they called white, what is called white fragility that I recognize in me and in many of my fellow white beings. It's not the only thing I recognize, but I certainly see it, is uh, an incapacity to consider race without becoming extremely shaky, unmindful, reactive, you know, uh, taking it personal. This is all Dharma to me. And so uh, tonight, with the voice that I'm given, I would like to invite all of us, and many of us are doing this work, and much more than I, that, you know, that I will ever do, but for all of us, and, and I'm speaking uh, particularly to white beings in this room, I would like us to become aware of that factor. Can I expand my mindfulness and my capacity uh, to bring equanimity to something uncomfortable like we've done here? Can I be uh, present to un discomfort in the body, discomfort in my story of what happened last week to me? You know? Can I actually bring this to uh, look at what's happening in my nation, you know? Because uh, one of the understandings that I have is that half of the practice, the Buddhist practice, is actually to learn to receive really well what is happening, really tune in and feel deeply. Feel, you know, we're getting sensitive to what's happening. Be, being more and more, becoming more and more conscious of what's happening here. And so, um, 
we're invited to turn this outside also to the system again and become aware of this in a non-judgmental way, in a clear way. And then not just receive, but the other half of this practice, why do we receive and re learn to read so well situation inside of us, in our relationships everywhere, is to actually engage creatively. We're actually um, making the making this uh, system more fluid, so it's not stuck in it all its ways. You know, shutting down, reactive, aggressive, uh, denial, uh, all these things. We're actually making this really uh, this system very fluid, so it can read what's happening, and then it can engage with it, engage creatively, engage with clarity engage with the wise intentions. And, and so, I s again, I see it in all the different systems, this not-self, this uh, capacity to bring wise mindfulness and learn that we can actually speak up and say things and, you know. And so I'm offering this very humbly, uh, but I do like so. So to me, why do am I saying this? Because I'm listening in, and I'm trying to let the feedback happen, and it feels like my creative response is, "Oh, I'm given a stage and a microphone. What what is the right use of my time? What is the right use of my voice? Is to name stuff that is happening in the system that I'm part of, to try to see if we can make it safe." So, again, that little offering. And so this clear comprehension to me is a capacity to bring the practice in every little field of my life, you know, more and more, more and more. No guilt, no, I should be otherwise, but an engagement again and again, not turning away from any aspects of my life. Yeah. I like uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi. Many of you know Bhikkhu Bodhi. is the translator of mo uh, all the suttas that we read in English. I think uh, s hundreds and hundreds of translation of uh, the text he's done. So in my s in a, a view that I have, and a, a, a way I have to see this is that Bhikkhu Bodhi is probably in America the person who is the closest to the Buddha's teaching. Like, I mean, he's been translating hundreds, like, so he's so, so close to the thought, thinking of the Buddha, like he's soaked in it so much. And he's been a big activist. It's interesting, you would have somebody who would have like the perfect kind of profile to stay in, you know. And here is somebody who started the Buddhist Global Relief, you know, really, act, you know, speaking up about uh, poverty and hunger and, and not only s being extremely active and so beautiful. Sometimes I see him here and there are pictures of him. He's somewhere in the park, like in Washington somewhere, and somebody put a little thing like a box for a 
apple, you know, like a little wood box, and he's standing on it, and he's talking like this, and, and I heard talks from him where he's talking about ascent and descent, and he's talking about the ascent, like kind of the spiritual ascent, like when you clear the system, and the system becomes more, uh, you know, open and uh, radiant and whatever, you know, and, and clear, system and then he's, he's say, saying there has to be a descent where you go back to the marketplace to s- so to say you know and enter the world and then uh, bring this to uh, around you in the bigger system and he's saying this is essential to do this in your own way you know and uh, but it is important to be engaged because we actually contribute we're not just passively receiving what we're in, we're actually contributing all the time. And so what, what do I want to create in my system? I invite you to just take a moment and feel whatever you feel. Can that be allowed just as it is? had other things to say, but they don't seem so important somehow right now. So I'm trying to read in, see what, uh, what would be an appropriate use of the voice here. I don't know, I don't have many words to add. So I think there's not one field that is not worthy of uh, this practice. Not one field of our experience that we can't bring uh, all these beautiful qualities to. Not one field that will not be enhanced. 
by uh, uh, careful attention, uh, diving under preconception, pre preconceived idea, conditionings, you know, that one field that uh, uh, we cannot uh, uh, wake up in and contribute. We are extremely powerful beings and this practice makes us more powerful. And it's a good thing. So I think I'll stop, uh, end the talk with this, like this tonight. So let's sit for just a couple of uh, minutes. So I have the wish that our practice, and you might have the same wish also, I have the wish, wish that our practice be for the benefit of all beings, no one excluded. And that our practice can bring in ourselves a sense of freedom and peace and ease that is uh, unperturbable, vast, deep and that we uh, in this way can offer protection and freedom to all beings none excluded for your attention.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.